You're listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. Join your host, Pascal Fintoni, for what promises to be an exciting and intriguing voyage of discovery filled with advice, stories, and film marketing ideas. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on with today's episode of the Film Marketing Academy podcast. It's the film marketing section. This is the part of the show where we talk about a film could be a more recent release, a modern release. It could be a film from 20 years ago, from 25 years ago. Something that we both enjoyed watching many, many times, but also something which gives us a lesson in how films were marketed, but also how we can use those lessons in our own marketing for our own businesses. Pascal, what shall we dissect this week? I'm going to say, Roger, that you've got a friend in me. Uh-huh. And I'm going to say that I know you've got troubles. I've got them too. <laughs> and just in case I wasn't clear enough, I'm going to say to you, to infinity and beyond. Today, Roger, we're yes. going to talk about Toy Story. Toy Story. <laughs> 25 years ago. How did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what is uh, the reason why we chose uh, Toy Story, just for our viewers and listeners, for, for many reasons. One, it is probably the perfect example of the combination of different talents from different walks of life and different kind of forms of science, uh, all the way to, you know, obviously acting, but also because it was the very first animation film done entirely, entirely using computing and yeah. computer power. I think that's very important. It was also done by a tiny small production company called Pixar. Pixar. And I know that now Pixar has become this kind of brand and name that sort of suggests, you know, a very large organization with a lot of power and might in the world of storytelling and film production. But back then, there were nobody and that wasn't an easy ride for them to pull off uh, Toy Story. Yeah, and it, it sticks in the mind. I mean, I went originally went to see Toy Story before I had children. Um but it's a film that I've watched with my son on many, many occasions. And it's one of those films, isn't it, Pascal, where they get the balance absolutely right in terms of it's entertainment for young children. And yet it's also an adult film on many levels as well. There's those knowing winks to things that we grew up with <laughs> a long, long time ago, even even from the selection of the toys like Mr. Potato Head and the and all the army soldiers and, and that sort of thing. And and I think that when you can put together a piece of content that appeals to loads of generations at the same time, you know, you, you we hear a lot in the marketing um, world at the moment of targeting millennials, targeting, targeting Generation Z, you know, Generation X, all of that sort of thing. And you've got to tailor your message. Here's a piece of content, a film that transcends generations. And, and no doubt, you know, it will appeal to the next generation to come because it operates on all those levels. And that is a remarkable achievement, in my opinion. I think so. And, and I think in terms of the, the story, Toy Story, 25 years ago, I suspect we're going to have some form of celebration with the release of new DVDs and so on and so forth. But it's also that universal story of the tension between old and new. Mm. You know, so you had obviously Woody, 
but you also had Buzz Lightyear from Star yes. Command presenting you know, the future of toys. Potentially, you know, you could argue by extension the future of technology, the future of you know life at home and that kind of things. And you've got the, the, this constant tension, but also it's strangely that we're all very human and we are you know essentially exploring the flows of Woody wanted to obviously still be liked by all the other toys, but also importantly be liked by you know the boy who owned him and not be mm. superseded by obviously Buzz Lightyear and the threat of you know change. There was all stuff stuff going on. But I think where you know the movie worked really well is that actually because of the wonderful acting by all concerned, not just Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, they were incredibly likable characters, all yes. of them. Yes. But people don't know this. Disney got signed to the first script. Now Disney is the distributor uh, at the time of um, you know Pixar working on Toy Story. And Disney wanted a movie that was uh, had more edge. They wanted the conflict between you know Woody and um, Buzz Lightyear to be a bit more severe and dark and so on and so forth. And what is interesting is Pixar said no. Sorry, you may be Disney, and we may lose uh, the biggest distribution company in the world, but we believe in the story. And that's not what we're going to do. Now, it wasn't as simple as saying no once, Roger. You'll appreciate that. It was back and forth, back and forth. And the breakthrough came from essentially um, the co-owner of um, Pixar, no mm. other than Steve Jobs. Ah. And now um, Apple bought Pixar uh, in 1986. And I don't think we even knew that happened. And I'm guessing they must have bought them because they wanted to create, obviously, content for their platforms. Potentially, back then, you'll tell me, Roger, Steve Jobs had aspiration for an Apple TV of sort or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. But, and therefore, they wanted, to your point, their own media company or content production company. So Steve Jobs essentially became, became the intermediary between Pixar and, and Disney. The and I think now that the the kind of attachment to the two companies has been well documented. But it wasn't known at the time, but they believed in the story so much and they believed in the characterization so much that they were prepared to walk away and find a different way of distributing. That's very interesting. And uh, the the one one of the things that always stays in my head about Toy Story is that the one of the characters that's, I, I'll I'll probably describe this a little bit wrong, but it was almost like a a, a baby's head or a doll's head <laughs> stuck on top of a crab or a, or a robot mm. crab or something and it was genuinely quite disturbing but also quite sad in a way as well you know it, it it was it was made to look as if it was evil and it also had that creepy music and the the clicking of the of the claws or the tentacles or the, the or, or the feet or whatever it was but it was it was almost quite sad as well as if the individual parts of it had been sort of mutated and pushed together by by a child and and again it was just a, maybe that was a little bit of the edginess that they allowed to go into the mm. into the story but i mean just think about again how embedded within our culture this film and its sequels obviously has become you know the 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 toys video games theme parks spin-offs all that merchandise from a film which was the first film, as you say, made by, animated by computers. And I think f even for me now, it's hard to remember 1995 in terms of, you know, what was possible in and around computers, but it would have been the very, very early days of you and I doing anything meaningful, I would say, with, with computers. So not only my memory of, of the story and, and uh, the voice acting and so on is great, but 
I'd imagined that I would have been blown away by the quality of what had been created and crafted by using computers. And again, the marketing around the film, I mean, they made a big thing out of the fact that it was computer animation, but they did play into the nostalgia. The aforementioned Mr. But there was a toy in there that every child or every adult who went to see it when they were a child will have played with one of those toys, whether it was the crocodile or Mr. Potato Head or or the equivalent of Woody or the doll. And there was that nostalgia. I mean, I think that I think that Toy Story is the only film, cartoon film, that I've been to see as an adult without a child in my life. <laughs> Obviously, when I was a child, I went to see cartoons. And when I was a father with a child, I went to see cartoons. But I'm sure that it's the nostalgia in the marketing for Toy Story that made me go to see that film as an adult with no child in tow. Which is interesting because uh, it's back to this disconnect sometimes people can have with that content of the audience. And I, I am absolutely convinced. If you think about who was behind, obviously, the creation of um, of uh, Toy Story, there were you know adults that were looking back at their own youth. You know, you had writers like Josh Whedon uh, behind mm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You had Andrew Stanton, John, Joel Cohen. I mean, names that now are a become part of the, the Hollywood Premier League, really. Um, I mean, we must you know, spend a moment to talk about the music and the, the singing from Randy Newman. <laughs> but, course. you know, the one thing that had me, I remember bursting into laughter out loud because I recognized myself in this, is when Woody is obviously planning um, something, probably how to um, go, go back home or whatever, and he uses the Hesker sketcher to, to actually plan it. And suddenly right. the, the map of what, whatever he has to do can come through. And <laughs> there was all these little moments where, as adults, we're bursting into laughter. And, of course, a young child would look at you strangely thinking, why are you laughing? There's, there's nothing funny there, but you won't realize the hours I spent trying to do something, anything, looking anything remotely interesting on the Hesse Sketcher. And back to, to the marketing. So in, interestingly, the, um, the this film didn't really plan that far ahead, which you know mm. suggests again that, that there's some sense of humility. We're not sure sure what they had because of the constant back and forth with uh, different forces out there, not just Disney. So actually, the mer merchandise came came on much much later, and sometimes was prompted by other parties. So what I mean to say to you, Roger, is sometimes you know others will see value in what you do sooner than you do yourself. And again, just listen. So in the case of um, Pixar and Toy Story, it was the likes of you know McDonald's and the likes of toy companies and so on saying, you've not thought of doing um, you know kind of toys version of the characters and Pixar yes. like no just too busy making a film. Yeah. Uh, you've not thought of making sure that there is a zone in Disneyland just for Toy Story. Uh, no, just too busy making a film. So I think that sometimes this partnership will will come much much later, and it may well be that it was just the right thing for the creators to focus on creation and sometime for the marketing and everything else that comes to to be to come later and and not be burdened by having to think too many things at the same time now that's very very interesting isn't it and it's probably the thing that we can end on but when you're putting content together you probably should focus on the content the message in the content itself rather than thinking about how it's going to be repurposed because i think that it had pixar gone into this thinking we're making a film so that we can sell loads and loads of buzz lightyear dolls and loads and loads of woody dolls and loads and loads of mr potato heads they may not have come out with as good a film as they did because they focused on the story they focused on the acting they focused on the music and they focused on the nostalgia and all of that um, 
repurposing, I guess you could call it, came later. So focus on what you need to get done first and the other things will slot into place, I think. Absolutely. So just to close, I would like um, you, Roger, and our viewers and listeners to start to hum in, in your head the, um, <laughs> you know, you've got a friend in me song from Randy Newman. Um, because <laughs> to this day, if I hear it, I just get almost the tear in my eye. I have to say, toy, to, the Toy Story films, and I think it was called Up, wasn't it? Was the, the Correct. Pixar film with the, with the little old man in it. Ooh, Those was... are perhaps perhaps the only cartoons in history that have made me cry. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. Dumbo made me cry when I was a, when I was a child. But as an adult, the to- Toy Story and Up are the only films that have made me cry. My goodness, Pascal, we've done another episode, and as always, the nostalgia that just flows out of the screen when we start <laughs> talking about films is amazing. So I'm going to draw this to a close. Everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to Two Geeks in a Marketing Podcast. Listen, please subscribe. Leave us some comments and suggestions in all the places where you consume your podcasts or where you consume your videos. And until next time, go out there and make sure your marketing is done right. I was Roger Edwards and he was Pascal Fantonia. And we both say, see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Film Marketing Academy podcast, the audio series dedicated to helping filmmakers create better film marketing campaigns faster. For more information about our film marketing consultancy and training services, go to filmmarketingacademy.com and book your free discovery video call. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe and follow your host on social media for more updates.